0: Yeah, mostly I'm pretty punctual because it's real easy to get places. We went to the mechanic and we got there 14 minutes before they opened. (laughs) Jason was like, we got to go. And I was like, it's literally no traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So we got there at 7, like 17. They opened at 730. And they were like, well, well, golly, what are you doing here? (laughs) It was funny though, because when one of the mechanics pulled in in his massive truck of all the places in the parking lot, he drove right up next to me and said, hey, would you mind moving? This is where I park. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I like threw it in reverse and went over to a different section of the gravel driveway and let him take my parking space. So it was like a funny LA thing. Where's the iron? Can mice and birds sew? So? Polly, oh, no, don't, don't cut out that dress. It's it's the sewing machine. Where's the iron? Oh my God, I'm sweating. Where's the iron? Cavana, <laughs> muslin. that. Is that is machine even threaded? Thread?
1: Let's start. You ready? Yeah, ma'am. I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one.
0: I'm Megan. I'm the writing one, and you are listening to There's No Thread, the podcast that asks, could, would, and most importantly, should the character really make whatever it is that gets sewn in the movie we are talking about today? Ready? Yeah. Today, we are turning our sewing and writing eyes upon the 2003 Boaz Yakin film Uptown Girls with costume design by Sarah Edwards. Sarah
1: Edwards also costume designs Severance.
0: No way. Have you seen that? Yeah. I have not seen it, but. Everybody loves it. It's yet another thing that everybody loves. And I watched 20 minutes of it and was like, I don't know if I can do this, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You want to tell us who's in this movie and what do they do? Okay. So we have Boaz is the director, obviously. And then we have three writers, Julie Margaret Ogben, Mo Ogrednik, and Lisa Davidowitz. And then, uh, okay. So we have Brittany Murphy as our lead. She is Molly Gunn, and she is a daughter of a deceased rock star whose guitar collection and millions she has inherited and is living off of in this wacky penthouse apartment in New York until it turns out that her millions have been embezzled by her dad's accountant. She's left with nothing, but we'll get to that. Okay, so we have Molly is played by Brittany Murphy, and then we have uh, Dakota Fanning plays Ray, who is the girl that um, Brittany Murphy ends up nannying when she realizes she has to find employment in order to survive. She has to get a job. <laughs> yeah. A horrifying thought. Um, okay. So Marley Shelton is Ingrid, the best friend of Molly. And then we have Donald Faison as Huey. I have a real quick Donald Faison story.
1: Oh, tell it. So I've seen him in real life. He had just had his fitting with whatever it was. And then it, you know, he was ready to go. And he walked toward the door and then the last second he turned around and he opened his arms and he yelled out, Later ladies and then he walked out <laughs> the door. And we were all like oh, it's, it's Donald double face on. We were all thrilled. <laughs> it was super cute. He said bye to us. Later, ladies. I can't even do it, but like you can imagine it in his yeah like,
0: later. Ne- <laughs> He was like, I know all these ladies are fawning over me behind my back. Let me give him one more little nugget. He was like, I'm going to give these ladies
1: what these ladies need, which is yeah. for me to say later to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was adorable. Yeah. Love Donald face on me too. Um, actually early in the pandemic, I started listening to a podcast that was him and Zach Braff just watching through the entire catalog of Scrubs.
0: Oh, that's funny. They just go
1: episode by episode and talk about it. Really charming because, of course, they're best buds in real life, too. And it was early days of pandemic, so they were just, like, I think each of them was in their closet at their house, like, trying to find a quiet room (laughs) where they could talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah, and just, like, not
0: sure what to do with themselves. Yeah. As we all were. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, super sweet. Um, Yeah, so then we have um, Heather Locklear makes an appearance. Yeah. This is a a truly um, post-90s who's who. Uh, So she plays Roma, who is the mother of Ray. And then we have Jesse Spencer, who plays Neil, and he is the aspiring rock star that Molly falls for on her 22nd birthday, Mm -hmm. um, who is at the club, and he is trying to get a record deal.
1: And he was on
0: House. I knew I kind of recognized him. That's where it's from. Oh, I didn't recognize him at all. And I was like, man, this kid's forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> and or was on a well-known TV show for years and years. <laughs> you know,
1: forget him yeah. all the way to the bank.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone, someone's
1: remembering him good. It's just not me. That's funny. I think that's our main cast. Also, there's a, um, a pig played by two pigs. Apparently they were actual twins, pig. They were sibling pig siblings. <laughs> Played Relative. the pig named Moo. That's kind of the normal thing with uh, animals. Like we did, uh, we talked about Darla the dog in um, Silence of the Lambs* was just one dog, but yeah. usually when it's a an animal actor, there are multiples that just look close enough that you can, when if one is cranky or needs to sleep. You bring out the other dog or the other pig or whatever. (laughs)
0: Like
1: babies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like the Olsen twins, but for piglets. Yeah. And then we do have a guest appearance by Sugar Ray, Dave Navarro, and Carmen Electra at the very end. Yes. And Duncan Sheik has a line
1: where he comes over and tries to get Molly to listen to his new album. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, Duncan, okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, I didn't even know who that was. I mean, I can't name you a Duncan Sheik song. Oh, yeah. So do you have a log line? I do. When a rich woman loses all her money, she's forced to nanny for a little girl who teaches her what truly matters in life. And then I wrote in parentheses, still money, mostly just money, but also being nice to people and showing up for those you care about.
1: <laughs> nice. I thought of one of them needs to grow up and one of them needs to be a kid. Oh, that's good. <laughs>
0: they need to do a a role reversal. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the script um, hit all the necessary beats of of a a perfectly done screenplay, but it was still, you know, (laughs) just because you hit the beats doesn't mean you do it well or gracefully or nuanced in any way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually liked this a lot better than I thought I was going to. Wait, oh, but have you seen this before I made you watch it?
0: I... I don't think so. It's it, it looked a little familiar, but what is it? Twenty years old? It's two thousand three. Exactly twenty yeah. years old. Yeah.
1: came out in two thousand three. Uh, I had seen it, and so I was trying to figure out like why. <laughs> that's really surprising to me. You voluntarily yeah. saw this, which is weird. I mean, like that's not.
0: <laughs> it's not super my vibe, but <laughs> I'm actually kind of touched that you watched it because. Um, I say all this, but my two markers of a film I enjoy, one, I did not fall asleep, and two, I shed a couple tears at the end during the dance number. Oh, nice. It was a no
1: sleeper and and a weeper? (laughs) It was a
0: no sleeper and a weeper. (laughs) You know, nothing will get me like a a dance number where a little girl finds herself and is finally able to be free. Oh my gosh, though, that
1: song. Okay, so part of the climax is Ray finally lets loose and dances like a little kid. And enjoys herself for once and also neil turns out that he was the one that bought all of the guitar collection from molly's father which i remember the first time i watched this being like oh it's just him yeah i was like a disappointment i know and i don't know why there's no reason why it shouldn't be him i was kind of expecting like john cooker mellencamp pops in for a cameo and it was him like a you know like they got another rock star yeah or i don't know like paul mccartney (laughs) pops in you know buys the collection but it was just neil
0: yeah and just for for context here with the plot so molly meets neil at a club has a one night stand and this is before she loses all her money and then like they're sort of back and forth and then at some point oh she takes his jacket she wears it and holds it hostage and then finally accidentally sets it on fire so then she does like a revamp of it and uh he gets it back from her Doesn't want to be with her, though. And he shows up in a music video wearing this jacket that she has redesigned after she burned it. And she's like, what the F, man? Like, I thought you said, because he acted like he didn't like it. And he had to, like, break off with her. So then by the end of the movie, he ends up playing at this dance recital and buys her dad's uh, guitar collection.
1: Um, He bought them anonymously at at the auction. So she didn't know who had bought all of these guitars. Yeah. And then at the end, it's revealed that it was him. And he sings the song that she already said to him. Don't sing that song to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's some major boundary pushing going on. Like, it's always creepy when it's, like, dudes doing father stuff. Like, already it's like a song that her dad wrote for her as a little girl and then the guy that she's sleeping with is like let me sing the song that yeah your was dad like, wrote was like this is a
1: major boner killer right here <laughs> yeah
0: like and she's like it literally reminds me of my dead dad he's like whatever money smiles, money smiles. exactly it's like he still doesn't get it yeah. but you know that's 2003 for you
1: like i really enjoyed this whole movie and i didn't I didn't dislike anyone in it except for him. I mean, he, he actually, I thought he acted it really well. Yeah. It's just, he he was a despicable character. Uh, One of my favorite moments in this movie is where he, so they've had an interaction where she's been like listening to his music and she's been like, you got, you need a hook. Like, yeah, he understands this. She's like, your song structure is kind of nothing. You need a hook. And he's like, no, no, I'm not a sellout. I don't, I don't wear purple. I don't do hooks. You know, I'm, I love I'm that like cool having a,
0: having a hook is being a sellout. That's like saying that having a plot is being a sellout, which I actually have heard. Uh, I know a guy that once said that. was it a poet living under a bridge? basically, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> so there's this scene that later on in the movie where he's written a song, he's recorded it, and he's playing it for her. and they the both of them are really amazing because she looks nervous while listening that the song is going to suck and she's going to have to not reveal that she knows that the song sucks. And he looks nervous because, you know, he's playing this thing for her and it was inspired by her. And he's, he's just generally like, I made this thing. What if it sucks? It's like both of them kind of nervously watching each other listen to the song was a really cool moment, I thought.
0: Yes, and it's such a such a uniquely like artist experience. Like anytime you create something and you show it to someone, you're just sitting there waiting to be like, do they think I'm garbage? And you're watching them experience it, and then to be watched, to be the other person too, is awful. You're very much put on the spot, (laughs) yeah. And um, you have to figure out how honest you have to be or need to be. And so if you genuinely like it, it's just like the best. Mm
1: -hmm. And so I thought it was interesting also that, like, I don't know what job title this is. I don't know if this is like a manager or like a PR person or an agent, but like, she tells him, your song sucks, you need to work in your structure, and your look sucks, you need to change it up to be more commercially viable. And she's right about both of those. Yeah, it's not just the fashion stuff. It's like she understands so much more about like the whole package that he needs to be delivering.
0: Yeah. So that would be like a manager or producer would tell him his song sucks. Probably his manager. A lot of times manager relationships are like very creative. And, you know, if you have a good manager, they can really tell you like this, is this will sell, this won't or whatever. Would they also tell you your look sucks too? No, that would be publicist <laughs> or stylist.
1: <laughs> so there's no one person that looks at you and says, you need to fix your music and your look. <laughs>
0: I think that could be the the girlfriend or boyfriend character, or, mm. or wife, wife, husband or wife can come in and be like, "Listen,
1: look, hun. all of this
0: is a mess. I'm going to be the one to tell you because no one else will." Um. Oh man, during that
1: dance number, all I could think of was the army of props men backstage, just barely out of audience sightline, waiting for those girls to come off to grab the the guitars away from them. Yeah. <laughs> before the girls just fling them in a heap like the level of horror that the the props men must have had just wrangling all those little girls with all those guitars
0: (laughs) oh man i was glad when she sold them me too that was a nice moment of closure that everybody needed especially for 75 grand like yeah come on yeah i love when when Uh, ray is like um what are they gonna do just collect dust in your closet like she's immediately like don't be a hoarder yeah My friend who's a therapist had once, when I was moving, she was like, um, oh, you're being a memory hoarder. And I was like, that's a term. And she was like, yeah, like when you can't just like let go of things because they have memories attached to them. And I was like, well, who isn't a memory hoarder? Like we all are. (laughs) Once I had the name for it, I was like, oh, I better get rid of this. I don't want to be a memory hoarder. Yeah. Did she give you any advice on how to keep the memory without keeping the object? Uh, no, she just said, do you want to throw this away? And I was like, oh, (laughs) you have an ulterior motive. You're trying to help me move. She said, your memories need to go too. (laughs) Yeah, she was like,
1: throw it all away. (laughs) Sometimes I take a photograph of something so that if I, you know, because then I'll see the photograph later and think and remember the whatever the memory is I'm trying to hoard. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to talk about today with the sewing moment of this movie is Neil's lucky jacket which starts out as a brown suede, very like, I don't know if you remember in the early 2000s, but especially in Los Angeles, there was this whole like urban cowboy look.
0: Mm, yes, where, like, girl. Everyone
1: was wearing like plaid shirts with snaps. This
0: Yes. Pearl snaps. and I um, even had a snap up plaid dress. It was like the Matthew McConaughey look. Yeah. Or I like, I think about like Beck looked like that.
1: Oh, Beck, that yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it was like, It was all around. And so I think that that is the look he's going for with this brown suede jacket. Neil leaves the jacket behind to her place and she just starts wearing it around. And yeah, pretty much holds it hostage because it's his lucky jacket. And she is over at Ingrid's house and puts out a fire using the jacket, which actually would work. I mean, it's leather. (laughs) Okay, so she has burned it and she then needs to fix it So she takes this jacket with that kind of look and dyes it black and lines it in purple and grommets it up with a bunch of stuff. Oh, and she also cuts apart a stuffed animal and makes a little binding that goes around the collar and like the edge of the lapels, the lapels. Wow, I can't say lapels.
0: Mm, Lapel.
1: Lapels. So she cuts up a stuffed animal for the binding. It's ugly. Yeah, and so she basically like genre shifts him from like, earth tone urban cowboy singer songwriter natural colors folk pop you know just that's his his starting look and she moves him into a total glam rock look with this purple and the fake fur she rockifies him
0: (laughs) yeah and sort of like sexualizes him too because he's extremely unsexual in his like previous look that's true he's all like big big puppy dog eyes but and like croony but not but no hip thrusts no body waves you know (laughs) And as soon as he gets that jacket on in the video
1: then he's all like dancing with girls and
0: yeah it reminded me of rex manning from empire records like funny oh rexy you're so sexy and he does like this whole video where he's in like a silk bed with like drapery and girls just fucking losing themselves all over him and he's yeah. wearing all um Neil's in bed in this one too he's because it's the egyptian cotton sheet song these movies were not made too far apart i wonder if this was like slightly influenced by the rex manning uh rock star character and empire records i don't anyway. know it might just be like
1: just a generally known trope of like man oh no, wait no
0: way in the bed <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I think Wait, might. what is that?
0: <laughs> where, where girls are just writhing naked around a rock star around dude? One dude in a bed. Yeah. You may have a point. You may have a point.
1: <laughs> All right. So, so I have some things to tell you about this jacket. Most of the costumes and clothing in this movie were purchased, including like that brown leather jacket. It like, uh, sounds like very little was built for the movie. Um, the tutu that uh, Ray wears at the end, that was built for the movie and um, the eye mask. Molly's wearing the very opening scene. It's like a white quilted satin eye mask with ruffled lace all around the edges. They had that made for the movie. Oh, cool. But most everything else is um, purchased. So the way that they really did this jacket was they have their brown leather one, right, which was bought, and they took that to a leather expert who, looking at the jacket without taking apart, of course, made a pattern of it and just remade a new jacket in black leather. So there's no dyeing taking place in in the real world of the, you know, the real costume.
0: Yeah, because dyeing leather in real life is kind of a process, I would guess. So it is possible to dye leather,
1: but really hard to do because if you're going to dye fabric, you just put the whole thing you're going to dye in a pot of dye. Mm -hmm. But when you're dyeing leather... You get a sort of a paintbrush that has a sponge tip or um, lambswool tip instead of bristles and you soak up the dye and then you have to kind of dab it onto the leather and you don't brush up and down because you don't want to have brush strokes. You have to dab it on. You have to get it even. You have to get it into all the seams. You have to do areas and then let them dry and mm-hmm. then do the other areas that were covered up the first time, let them dry and go back and do second coats. And make sure that everything is equal
0: in color at this point. You don't have darker areas and lighter areas. Like it is just. Wait, so let me ask you this. Cause like we were talking about last week about how, you know, you only do like fa- fabric based mm-hmm. stuff. So this would be totally outsourced. Like who would do something like this in the costume world?
1: <laughs> there, there is a whole area that is um, dye paint and distress which is like aging things oh, down, um, yeah, you know, making things look not brand new, and um, dye painters in general who like can change the color of something, and and yeah, I don't do that.
0: No, <laughs> honestly, I, just thought... I
1: don't recommend that an amateur do that either. Like this, this is really hard to achieve a good
0: result with, and probably somewhat toxic if you're just like hanging out with all the dyes and chemicals on. Un... Oh, supervised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of diet is and I didn't look it up because I didn't want to tell anybody because I don't think anybody should do it. <laughs> cool man. Okay, let's officially talk about could she sew it. Okay. Could she sew it? Well, I mean, no, Molly couldn't sew this cuz she doesn't have a sewing machine. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: she not well, only Well, there we go.
0: There ain't no thread and there's no machine. I mean, <laughs> She's just got a can of
1: black spray paint and she's kind of dancing around in her undies, spray painting it. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so Megan, I have an important question for you, which is, why do writers think that spray paint is sexy? Like, why are you guys obsessed with spray painting fabric?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I had the same question for "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead." Like, yes, <laughs> like, what is this airbrushing, spray painting nonsense? Like,
1: yeah. So now, if Molly was really going to make this jacket. She would need to um, get the dye situation worked out properly and not mm-hmm. be messing out with spray paint, even though she yeah. looked just so, so cute in her little undies spray painting, which is probably why they chose spray paint, because just having her at the stove with an apron on, dipping something into a pot is maybe not as great a shot for the camera. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as cute. I'll give them that. But she would need to take out the lining, the old lining. And then do whatever dye thing she's doing. But meanwhile, she needs to make a pattern off that old lining to cut in this new purple fabric. And the, she's got a major problem there, which is that she does not have a sewing machine. So here's what she has. I wrote them all down. She has a grommet press. There's like a purple thing that we see. Yeah, that's what she needs remember. to do the grommet. So she actually does have a grommet press. She has scissors. She has grommets. She has garden shears (laughs) she has shoe polish and she has spray paint that is all that that is her workroom. that's what she's got so the only way i was like let's let's just invent backstory that doesn't exist how could she do this the only thing i thought of is if she took that jacket down to her tailor at her dry cleaner who she clearly has because she's a cool new york girl (laughs) and had the dry had the dry cleaner tear out the lining and do all that work of patterning, aligning, cutting a new one in the purple, and then putting it in once she's brought back her nightmare black spray-painted jacket. And then she brings it back home, and she does all the grommets. And the hmm. there's, like, metal rings in the sleeves. Like, she does all that. So this is, like, at least one week of solid work, and we never see her work on it except one afternoon in her apartment. And a little montage, yeah. And a little cute montage. Now, however, the time frame on making the jacket is not clear. We get a timestamp that Coney Island is not open yet. And, you know, I looked up Coney Island, like what's its season? And it's basically open from March to Halloween. Mm. So I think we're, (laughs) we're in some sort of, uh, magical always summer where it's not even like it's March if Coney Island's not open yet,
0: but Molly's dressed like it's June. Yep yeah yep. so anyway that that's like i was wondering that too when they went to coney island i was like in what universe is coney island closed in the summer because it's obviously summer because she's wearing skimpy clothes the entire movie
1: yeah so she's got some real issues with making this jacket herself in real life which are mainly that she doesn't have any of the equipment
0: or and the knowledge a, or the skills now what she does
1: have is that the the way that most people get started in costumes which is just i can do it i can figure it out yeah. I have a cool idea and I'm just going to use what I have here in my bedroom. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's got that.
0: Yeah. She's got that confidence piece, which is really necessary for just about anything, at least when you start. But at some point you got to transfer the skill section into it as well. At some point you got to go to FIT. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing like school to degrade your confidence until you're down to a nub and then build yourself back up again (laughs) through near constant criticism of your peers and professors. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
1: We used to have at School of the Arts, we had uh, all these drawing classes, character studies and and, uh, costume sketch classes. And then we'd have these critiques. And so you're being critiqued on both how it looks and your costume choices. And we had this one teacher that was so consistently negative that I realized partway through that all of us students had started only saying positive things about each other's work. Oh. Cause we were just like, she's gonna tear all of our stuff to pieces. And like, we didn't talk about this. We didn't agree to do this. I just suddenly realized like, oh my God, I haven't said anything negative. I mean, you're, sp- <laughs> you're meant to critique to help people get better. Yeah. But at a certain point, none of us were critiquing anymore. We were just trying to mitigate
0: the, the beat down we were going to get from the teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Also like criticism, like I strongly believe that it has to come with at least a grain of hope. Because Mm -hmm. if you just like rip apart something to the point where it feels like the person can never reconstruct it, I mean, you really have to throw in some motivation there to keep going because (laughs) otherwise, like, yeah. Tell that to every art teacher. Tell them. (laughs) I know. I I think this all the time. I mean, like giving notes to people or receiving notes or, you know, it's a real art form in terms of like, you know, if you care about the person at all, Mm -hmm. you want to give them something I guess they're trying they to prepare us
1: for the, the harsh realities the of work, harsh workplace. But yeah, you like being mean to somebody because you think in the future somebody might be mean to them and you want them to be ready.
0: That's not it's so stupid. Yeah. Also, if you look for problems, you'll find them. So not everyone is looking at your work looking for problems. Some people are looking for. Oh, I kind of like this. Yeah. And we'll just stop there. <laughs> Sometimes it's a taste thing. Um, do you remember when you made me that dress? I came to School of the Arts and you, like I went in front of your mm-hmm. teacher. Yeah, it was for a bias draping class. Is that the same dress you wore to your graduation?
1: No, I got to be the model for another girl in my class. So okay. she made her dress to fit me and I made my dress to fit you. So she was graded on my dress and I was graded on your dress. Well, I remember putting on the dress...
0: And being, were we in your classroom or we were yeah, somewhere? We're, okay. We would have been in the, in the costume shop. Yeah. And I was like, this is so beautiful. I can't believe like, and yeah. your teacher came by and she was like, in retrospect, just like doing normal teacher stuff, like telling you what you had done wrong and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but I almost wanted to be like, excuse me. <laughs> like I remember <laughs> being like, she was saying, you know, technical, this is this. And she was giving you some compliments too. Like, I remember being like, okay, good. Cause she was like, you know, this is that, but But she was just like going in on the dress. And I was so. Did you want to be like back off lady? This is perfect. (laughs) No, Liza, totally. I had no concept that you were in a situation where someone would like come in and and critique what you had done. Because to me, it was like, I looked good and like, what else was there? But it was so neat because I think about that moment a lot when I, when I do think about criticism, it's just like, that was kind of my first experience seeing something that i really considered to be an artistic sort of expression as like no this is a this is a class assignment these mm-hmm. are the notes on the assignment this is the parts of the assignment she did well and these are the parts yeah. of the assignment that she needs to work on like there are technical aspects that, yeah. that i needed to hit yeah there's no like emotion like wrapped up in this dress for this yeah. woman it's yeah. just like anyway
1: it was it was yeah. neat that is really neat. I'm glad you remember that. Yeah,
0: I mean, she probably had
1: technical things like, you know, because the class was about bias draping, it was probably like, you know, this seam needs, you need to change the angle of this seam because it's pulling this in this direction, needs to pull it in this direction, and the grain needs to hang this way, and like, yeah, if you, if you just shorten this, this, and and take in this, and you know, realign this, then it's all going to fall correctly and be more flattering, and you know, whatever. Yeah, and she
0: was like bent down looking at it, and I was like, this is really cool, and then I was also like, well, lady. Back up with all that. <laughs> I want. I'm going to take this dress out of here right now. <laughs>
1: well, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, I
1: have something, something really interesting about this movie. When I put this movie on our list for our podcast, the only thing that I really remembered about it was that she's got that that great overalls dress with the patches all over it. Mm. So I just in thinking about it, I was like, okay, she definitely like you know her character makes that. So. That's something we could talk about and then it wasn't until i went and like read the summary that i was like oh no she does like a whole jacket thing so like this really fits our our thing that we're doing here yeah yeah but looking into the overalls dress this is so cool so the overalls dress belonged to the costume designer's older sister their babysitter made it for her when the older sister was 12. oh wow and if you look, there's a scene where Molly is taking off her little orange book bag and hanging it up in the closet at Ray's house. And then there's that yeah. funny moment where all the stuff falls on her. Yeah. You can see on the back of her overalls, it spells out Kate down the back in rhinestones. Um, no way. I didn't know yeah. that at all. Yeah. That's and funny. Because that's the sister's name. And, you know, those are her overalls. <laughs> and on the front, it must have said Snoopy originally, but the S is missing. So it just says Noopy. And there's like a a butterfly patch where the S would be, which I remember noticing and being like, what does it say? That's weird. And then when I read this, I was like, oh, my God, that's so adorable. The babysitter made the overalls say Snoopy for the 12-year-old kid. (laughs) Now I'm going to look up. I want to see him again. It's an overalls dress, and uh, it's just covered in butterfly patches all over And it's super cute.
0: There it is. She wears
1: it in the scene where she goes to pick up Ray after school. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at it.
1: Isn't it cute? It's so cute. It's just the cutest. Okay, so that overall's dress, it's one of a kind because it's original vintage, right? Even though it's in a lot of scenes and locations, and she even does a stunt in it. Like, she has that great pratfall where the high heel breaks. And so (laughs) here's just an interesting movie thing is that they only had one of that dress, but because her high heel breaks, she must have at least three pairs of shoes to go with that dress because there's the one pair of high heels that's regular- and there's one pair of matching high heels that are rigged so that one of the heels will break. And then there's one pair of high heels that already has the heel broken off for all the rest of the scenes where she's walking along with only one heel. I so love it. So she's got one dress, but three shoes to go with it. Because for continuity, they can't just have one pair of shoes and break it and move on. Right, right. If they need to reshoot the shoes that aren't broken, they
0: just have to have a pair of shoes that aren't broken at all times. <laughs> It's really amazing how working in any department, you have to really understand like all the parts. Like you have to know, oh, okay, this is happening in the scene. There's a stunt happening in this, so we're going to need various versions of this. Like stuff being shot out of order. Everything's shot out of order. So what's it going to look like here versus there? And like we yeah. can't
1: have her really spray paint the jacket because we That's might need to, <laughs> Yeah, because we might need to shoot some more scene. We might have scenes yeah. on the schedule later. That are that actually are like the very first scene where he's wearing the jacket, and yeah. we also might need to do
0: pick up shots later. Like we have to have you need functional versions of each aspect of the story. like Yeah, and because things just it... aren't shot linearly. They're yeah, shot yeah. all
1: scrambled all over. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's really interesting too. You know what's else actually? I learned this on like the very second day of of working professionally in a costume shop, and, and I really thought about it in a, in a movie like this where it's all purchased clothing. Um, The reason people look so good in TV and movies is that their clothing is altered to fit them. Yes. Like, they're not just putting them on the actor off the rack. Yeah. Even like a t-shirt, you might take it in on the sides and shorten it. You might shorten the sleeves. Like, even just something like a dumb, regular old, something that you think is just like somebody threw on a pair of jeans. Like, no, those jeans have been taken into the waist, and they've been shortened, and they've been taken in through the thigh. Like, they've been altered to
0: make them look as good as possible what is that great store in LA where they have the knock on the, the, the rejects. Oh, it's from- a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah. Um. So it's a wrap is a store where once things have been filmed and used for TV, it goes, to it's a wrap and they're basically sold at almost thrift store prices, a little bit more expensive, but mm-hmm. you can find all sorts of strangely altered items that were probably once worn by an actor. And you've actually found clothes that you altered there before, right?
1: I found a blouse that I had cut. Like I, I, cut this thing I didn't put it together because that's not my job but I and I didn't make the pattern because I wasn't at that level yet but I cut out this zebra print roughly blouse I cut it out I handed it off to the stitcher and then like six
0: months later I saw it in it's a wrap (laughs) amazing I have one of my favorite shirts that's from it's a wrap and it's a plaid shirt and inside of it it has snaps that have clearly been put in there Mm. so that whoever was wearing it could have the shirt unbuttoned and have like some cleavage or something. Oh, it's a snap, like right at the. Yeah. Right here. So it's like the shirt's unbuttoned, but it's not fully revealing your boobs or anything. And I'm like, (laughs) this was totally put in for like some, like, you know, cute shirt moment. Yeah. Um, Love it.
1: Oh, I I will talk about the tutu a little bit. Okay. So in the movie, I mean the, the line is she makes this tutu and we know that she does not own a sewing machine. (laughs)
0: That costume is so cute. It's so cute.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's a it's a pretty intense costume too. This is one this is the one that was built for the movie. They didn't this isn't a purchased thing. Okay. It's a silk um like a shantung or a, it's I mean it's silk slub like we were talking about before. You could see love. that have like those sort of I love a slub. It's and the bodice is lined. There's an invisible zipper in the back. It's got a tool a gathered tool skirt and a gathered gathered tool frills on the little shoulder straps. Oh. And then there's um a um like a dance pant like a panty that's sewn in and uh I was kind of glad to see her just hand sewing because there's a lot of different skills involved in making this isn't a real tutu but just lining something and putting an invisible zipper in it and having elastic in the leg openings all that stuff together that's kind of a lot oh wow um, the way that I explained this in my head the way that I wrote an entire backstory for this situation Get it is is that um
0: yeah. The Molly just
1: fancies it up by sewing on a bunch of little sequins and, and star shaped things, little flowers. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. really cute. Um, I really appreciated that the apartment that Molly moves into is really small. Yeah.
0: Her first apartment, apartment on her own
1: is like, yeah, it's not a, a glamorous. I mean, I got to say though, I've always loved the idea of having a bathtub in the kitchen. That sort of New York um, apartment fantasy, which I've never yeah. seen in real life. But I love the idea of like I mean, can you imagine you're in the bathtub and you can just reach over into the fridge? <laughs> Why? So
0: that's gross. <laughs> and you can get some chocolate cake and eat it while you're in the bathtub. I'm surprised that you would be into that. I feel like you you like a, a strong separation between anything bathroom and anything food related. Well, I don't want the toilet to be in the kitchen. That yeah. must be far away.
1: But the Wait. but a bathtub would be kind of fun cuz it's, it's kind of clean. in your bubbles and
0: yeah. We have this joke about how every time there's a, an RV, like we'll watch like, um, fancy RV videos and it's like, you know, oh, this is really cool how they've converted this RV. And it's like, you're chilling in the like main space of the RV. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, and here's your toilet. And as soon as you uh-uh. see the toilet is, you're like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> keep, keep Megan on ground. she's was staying like, where the plumbing is. Van life is not for us. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> The toilet's always just, like, hidden somewhere, but, like, has to be hidden somewhere in public because there is no privacy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: I am so grossed out, though, that there was that whole scene where she was barefoot. I think I would do almost anything to avoid being barefoot in really any city, but especially New York. Wait, where's she barefoot <laughs> in New York? So she, her heel breaks, right? And then oh. she goes back home, but her house is, her apartment's locked? Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point, she's, I guess she's just thrown her shoes away because she's in the hall barefoot. And then later she's out on the street barefoot. And I think she's talking on a payphone barefoot. Oh, gross.
0: Yeah. That is like only second to scenes where people are eating in the bathroom. That is another, like, talk about writer tropes. Like writers love that. It doesn't happen. People are never sitting on toilets eating. in real life ever, not once, never didn't happen in high school. I know it works for plots because that's where the bullies come in and beat you up, but it just doesn't happen. (laughs) I was trying to watch Broad City, which again, is another thing that everybody loves. And the first episode, this was like 10 years ago, the first episode I turned on, what's her name is sitting on a toilet eating. And I said, Nope, not going to do it. And I never went back. I just can't, Anyway, That's all right. You
1: you show them. I was downtown Los Angeles one time and I was wearing these like like a really low heel mule and the front part started to break and I was just like "Mm -mm, no I am going to grip onto these shoes (laughs) with my toes. (laughs) I'm gonna hold these shoes on my feet. I'm not going to be barefoot in downtown Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) Same. I'm gonna throw yes. extra toes here. I'm gonna; <laughs> these that are not a, coming off my feet. That is a real health risk. Yeah, I was going to vote, and my flip flop broke. And this was the same. It was on um, Franklin in Hollywood, and I only had to get just around Cheremoy Elementary School and back. And my flip flop that the plastic thing came out of the top. Oh no! And I was like, I will shuffle flat footed. This <laughs> foot is not going on this ground. I've seen. I've seen the types to walk through here. <laughs> I am the type that walks through here. (laughs) I actually did a run in um,
1: North Hollywood. It was a Thanksgiving run. It was like a three-mile run. And at one point, I passed a woman who was running barefoot. Oh. Like, on purpose. Like, she was a barefoot runner. But I'm like, I don't think you have to be a barefoot runner down the the majors through streets of North Hollywood where cars go. Well, there's the whole
0: barefoot movement. Yeah, Um, but I
1: don't... I mean, I think... I think you can run barefoot on a trail or on the beach. I don't think it has to be down Lakersham. (laughs) Should we just carry flip-flops with us everywhere and just be like, oh, here. I see that you're barefoot
0: and I I know that you should not be. (laughs) And also, you look like you might have to go into a bathroom at some point. So take these shoes. Oh my God, horrifying. Just horrifying. And don't eat there. Don't (laughs) eat the shoes in the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and just PSA to writers. Quit, Quit it. Quit it.
0: Yeah, quit no, doing but doing spray like... paint on fabric—that's mm-hmm. not how we color fabric. And Preach quit doing girl. Eating food in the bathroom. We don't do that. Basically, unless you know about fashion, don't write about fashion. And <laughs> unless...
1: <laughs> I mean, actually keep doing it so we can keep talking about it. But <laughs> oh shoot! Can you imagine if if uh, writers did suddenly only write correct? Plot lines involving costumes and then you and i were like so today on there's no thread everything is perfect and so <laughs> all right so let's talk about would molly sew it
0: we're just talking about the jacket i guess so would she you feel like she's motivated oh yeah yeah she's got a big heart and she wants this guy's attention mm-hmm. and uh yeah plot wise it totally works you know I think maybe in, in the old days she might have tried to just buy him another one but she ain't got no money anymore oh you know i
1: hadn't thought about that that maybe she's only doing this because she can't just buy him a new one anymore yeah yeah i mean she, it's sort of implied that she embellishes her clothing like the birthday dress that's the sequins with all the sort of embroidered stuff on the shoulder so like all of her stuff has sort of an embellished look But we never see her doing any of that. Yeah. So it's almost like it's implied that she does so. But it's not shown to us. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, maybe this is like her her first time where she's just like, I can fix this for him because I can't buy him a new one. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so then... If we get around to, should she sew it? um, I still got to stick with no, because without his input at all, she's changing his musical signaling. Yeah. You know, he's identifying as this one kind of musician. She's utterly changing it. And it turns out she's right. And he's kind of got no soul. And so he just goes
0: along with it and
1: ends up making a bunch of money. And it works in the video. Well, but... and even
0: his hit song is about Egyptian cotton, which he would not have had if she hadn't taken those Egyptian cotton sheets to Oh, over to him. Like she
1: buys those sheets for like was it $1300, $1,300. And with a 10% employee discount. And then she shows up <laughs>
0: for like Sex Fest 2003 and then all of a sudden he's got a hit song. What a freeloader this guy was. <laughs> I was just looking at sheets earlier cuz I there's this fancy brand of sheets that i like and i was like oh man these are like over 200 dollars, even on sale i don't think i can do it i was just doing that a couple hours before i watched the movie and then i was like 1300 is that a price is that a price <laughs> for sheets in 2003 no less oh,
1: my god let's talk about sheets for a minute okay i think it's really funny that the hit song is um sheets of egyptian cotton okay however the origin of the cotton is not what makes sheets fancy Although in the early 2000s, there was this whole thing about Egyptian cotton. Egyptian cotton, everything. Yeah. Egyptian cotton was what you wanted. And do you remember um, Allison Coster when we did Ask a Chemist, she actually mentioned that uh, labels will sometimes throw in things like Egyptian cotton just to make it more appealing to the buyer. Yeah, yeah. So Egyptian cotton is a thing that people want. However, the cotton isn't what makes sheets nice. It's the thread count. And in this movie, she does make a big fuss over there being 900 thread count sheets. And so really the song should have been, na 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 thread count. 900 thread count.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, is cotton, I mean, like, is cotton from Egypt? Do we get cotton from Egypt? Is that a thing? That is
1: a thing. Egyptian okay. cotton is a real thing.
0: Um, but it's,
1: I mean, if you had an Egy- Egyptian cotton sheets that were like a 100 thread count, they're not, they're not fancy. Right. But you know, right. they're Egyptian cotton. Right. Yeah. So, um, since you you're know looking at what... sheets, you probably know what thread count refers to, right? No, I was going to ask you, what okay. does it refer to? It's the amount of threads in one square inch. So, if you picture the fabric, you measure out one square inch, it's counting horizontal and vertical threads. I looked up, like, what's a good thread count? Yeah. And um, the New York Times was like, okay, guys, it's not about the thread count. <laughs> It's about the weave. It's about do you like percale or satin weave? So, percale is just a regular weave, and sateen means cotton version of satin.
0: Okay, because that's the sheets that I love. I have yeah. a pair, I have they satin feel really sheets. Smooth.
1: Yeah. The New York Times said that like 250 to 300 is a good thread count. Yeah. If you get much above 500 thread count, you're just getting sort of a heavier and more densely woven sheet, which actually would be kind of hotter to sleep on. So like, that's what I was thinking, not better, necessarily. It's yeah. really just like, people have been so trained to be like, oh, the higher the thread count, the better. So they're like, ooh, 900 thread count. Woo! You know,
0: yeah, but it's, no, not, I was, it's not, it's not, a thing. I think that like, uh, 400 is the is the number I always see is like the nicest thread count. Like a -hmm. 400 thread count. Yeah, I mean,
1: 400 would be a really nice thread count because it also means that the individual threads are thinner. Yeah. If if you had, like, I mean, I I don't think this exists, but like if you had a 50 thread count, they would be giant honking yarns and it'd be kind of rough (laughs) to sleep on. Yeah. But yeah, like a 400 means that each individual thread is very thin and then there are a lot of them and it's really soft and nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's that high, it's that higher thread count. And the cotton and then the sateen, the sateen mm-hmm. thing is like what yeah. makes it be like, oh my God, what are these sheets? My yeah. life has changed. Yeah. Um, so it
1: also could have been, no, 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 sheets of sateen weave.
0: Yes. Yeah, sheets of 450 count sateen weave, Brooklyn and what's up? Send me free sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did Not you a, want a sponsorship? Is that what
1: you're Brooke saying? Brooklyn <laughs> would sponsor us. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that this movie, since it's 2003, some people have cell phones, but the iPhone hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And so, like, payphones do feature like twice in this movie, like yeah. two different payphone moments. And it's just kind of an interesting. Like, did you notice there was a lag between when writers figured out how to still tell
0: stories, even though we have cell phones now and it eliminates all the dumb plots? Um, I remember talking about it a lot, like around the late 2000s, 2000 eight nine like I remember like thinking to myself or saying to someone this is going to change the way stories are told because, yeah because it used to be that like getting information was hard and you had to like get to the person and now you know they had to be near a phone and like do people realize what's happening and and yeah there was this like transition period yeah. of like, like people you not can't realizing what's happening yeah
1: you can't have a story anymore that hinges on I couldn't get in touch with you
0: yeah which is like <laughs> And so I remember like watching things and being like, well, this this wouldn't happen now. Now being 2009 or 2010, you know, mm-hmm. because they, they and have like, a cell
1: phone. When um movies want that to still be a possibility for the story, now what they do is set it in the past. Like I think that's why i have gotten yeah. quite a few mo- stories recently that are like in, set in the 90s because that way they can still have a stupid <laughs> plot <laughs> that hinges on I couldn't find you, or I couldn't Google this, or I didn't have a map, or I didn't have a phone.
0: you You can hinge entire plots on text fights. And on social yes. media posts, like, so they, it has opened up so a lot fun, of stuff yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember being in England and I had a boyfriend and he was texting and I remember being like, what are you doing? Like, I, I literally didn't know what he was doing. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm texting. Like, I'm typing out what I want to say. And I remember being like, ew, who wants to do that? Like, just call the person. And I was like, this is never going to pick up in America. <laughs> no one's ever gonna like this yeah like what is this he's like then you don't have to talk to the person and I was like who wants to not talk oh oh okay
1: you're like my sister's gonna love this yeah I was like and who
0: wants to not talk to me uh oh okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is gonna be huge with my with my sister and everybody else
1: (laughs) those flip phones did you ever have one of those flip phones where like you in order to type something you had to like go through several menus
0: like lowercase and do the and, uppercase numbers. Uppercase and jason did jason had one when we started dating and he mm-hmm. was so fast on that thing i mean his nokia he was like a texting master <laughs> um and then when he finally switched to the iphone i was like you're not going to believe what you're about to experience
1: it's gonna you're gonna be able to do full sentences with punctuation and correct capitalization <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i think Um, uh, i think our dad taught taught me this one time so um, this is an installment of Gather Around Little Children, as I tell you the ancient ways. Oh, yes. So long distance used to cost money. Mm. And so if you took a flight somewhere and you, you would need to call back home and tell them you arrived safely. And if you did that from a payphone, you would have to pay for it. So he told <gasps> me this thing, which was <laughs> what you do is like you get to your city where you need to be. You go to the payphone. You say to the operator, because gather around little children, the payphone had a human on the other end. You say to the operator, I would like to make a collect call to, you know, our dad. And then when he picked up the phone and the operator said, would you like to accept the charges for a collect call from Liza? He would say no, because the fact that I called in and requested the, the collect call meant that I had made it there safely. And that he answered the phone, which I would be able to hear, which meant that I knew he got the message. Genius. And none of us had to pay 25 cents.
0: Oh my God. I love it. Success
1: all around. We saved a quarter. Wow. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. So now it's time for a lightning round, could, would, and should. But before we do that, um, I just want to tell you something funny that just happened related to this movie. I've been reading this book called Don't Think Dear. By Alice Robb and it's just I mean it's not related to this at all it's just a woman who studied with the School of American Ballet as a, as a child and then ended up leaving leaving like thought she was going to be a dancer as her career and then the reasons why she left the ballet world and like what it means for her and like some history of ballet like it's just a, it's a great book but it's got nothing to do with this but I was reading it last night and She was talking about the trope of um, ballet, like, trained dancers who can't socially dance because they're they're kind of rigid. Yeah. They don't Mm like to freestyle, just like Ray in this movie. Yeah. She mentions this movie because her classmates at School of American Ballet are the girls in Ray's class. No way. Like This author was not in this movie, but like she was like, oh, yeah, my friend Emily is the one who does the cartwheel when it's time to freestyle. Amazing. (laughs) And these were totally unrelated. Like totally unrelated. I just I checked out Don't Think Dear from the library and I was just reading it last night and I came across this and I was like, what? (laughs) That's
0: wild. Yeah. What a coincidence of all the books and all the movies. I know. And and all the timing. Yeah. (laughs) If I'd read it tonight
1: after we talked about it it would have been too late (laughs) yeah yeah so anyway that's just cool all right so back to our lightning round are you ready yeah okay remember you're just gonna yell out all right could she no no would she yes yes should she no Yes.
0: (laughs) wait
1: all right well that solves that listener if you let's see what's a funny thing to say listener if you have sheets and your friends
0: have sheets why not share this episode with your friends listener if you've ever cared about a child or if you were ever an, a child that cared about an adult oh there you go that's much better listen to watch listen to this episode or share it to your friends yeah if you ever had someone come into your life that um, helped parent you in a way that you ne- never knew you needed this is a great episode
1: oh man well, that's, we're keeping that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I didn't hate this movie. <laughs> I didn't hate this movie either. And I thought that all the ladies were like pretty decent to each other and pretty decently. Like, I mean, you know, fairly one dimensional and and it's sort of like, but I also just like couldn't stop thinking about how delightful Brittany Murphy is and like, mm-hmm. what what a what a loss. And I don't know if you watched the documentary about her, like death and everything but no, it's, it's I didn't see like it. very disturbing
1: yeah i Jesus. looked into it a little bit but i like i didn't want to talk about it too much on this because i didn't feel like we can add anything that hasn't been
0: yeah bad on that topic but but watching this movie you can see like all the adorableness and like vivaciousness yeah. that she had um i just love her yeah. and i thought that dakota fanning was like kind of incredible like... i thought she
1: was too she had some really amazing i mean this movie's kind of well acted considering that it's yeah, it's considered a bad movie, but I was watching. That. I was like, it's not really though.
0: I also thought it was really creative to have a a movie that is, you know, supposed to be some kind of like a a summer, like a light blockbuster type, be about the relationship between two girls and them both kind of learning how to um grieve the loss of their fathers, basically together yeah. and address them and from how different to angles,
1: deal with them in a in the ways that are appropriate for their ages
0: yeah and that way I thought it was really quite sweet and they were quite sweet and anytime you see a relationship that's a little bit original it's nice and it wasn't about getting the
1: guy in fact it's clear no one in this movie likes the guy yeah he's, <laughs> a, he's kind of a dud and so it's not about getting him or winning him it's about yeah her figuring out that that's not the point
0: yeah and her kind of learning how to parent in a way that she didn't really get, and and the, in a way that Ray is not able to get. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Megan, please say hi to our listener in Oakland, California. Do you know who it is? Maybe. Okay.
0: Oh, that's sweet. But anyway, because I know some people that live that live in Oakland, but I doubt they would listen to this. <laughs> why um. not? What? Why not? <laughs> what in the world would they not listen to it for? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say shout out, shout out to our listener maybe plural, in Oakland, but definitely the one listener that Liza knows. And also, <laughs> if there's other listeners that I know that are in Oakland, what's up? Thanks for listening. And also, any <laughs> listeners that we don't know that are listening in
1: Oakland. All right, also, I'm going to say hi to our listener in Omaha, Nebraska. <gasps> oh, hi. Okay, listener, um, we have a nice long list of movies that we are working through. However... If you have a movie in mind that you would like us to talk about, please suggest it. And you can do that on email, which is there's no thread at iCloud.com. And our Instagram is there's no thread. Boo. Yeah. Okay. This review (laughs) is called yes to this podcast. If you love movies and love to find out how they and the costumes are made, this is the podcast for you. Through witty banter, Liza and Megan at long last solve the mystery of movie character costume making. Could the character make this costume in the movie time provided? Most importantly, should they? Give There's No Thread a listen. You will laugh. You will cry. You will learn about sewing and costume design.
0: (laughs) What a range. I love it. Keep them coming. (laughs) Totes, man. Totes. I think we did it. We did it. All right. Oh, there's an ant. Where to go? Is it amboy? Oh, it's on my strawberry. All right, you're going in the garbage, buddy. Ah! Oh boy, the red one.
1: Gotcha. Do you think it, Do you think it's um? Are you gonna send it down the garbage disposal?
0: <laughs> That's what I did. I tell you, did that with a worm.
1: Ew! No,
0: just swing well, it outside. I didn't mean to. I have a CSA. And I was cleaning off the lettuce and there was a worm in the lettuce okay, and it fell into the sink. And Jason and I both looked at it and I was like, is that a worm? And he was like, I think so. He was like, get it. And I was like, you get it. And then it was gone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Bye, Megan. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to There's No Threat. Keep it threaded.